I'll say that again. Title of the lesson is Treasure in Clay Jars. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verses 7 through 12. Really going to focus in on verse 7 predominantly, but it's in that context. There's a contrast that is drawn there by the Apostle Paul between the container that he talks about, and then he talks about the contents which is in that container. And that God has placed this treasure in fragile containers, i.e. you and I. And then in placing that treasure in those containers, it also reveals how that treasure, how that power is released. So three points we're going to take a look at. Clay pots, first of all. And then treasure in those clay pots. And then life in a clay pot. That's you and I. Life in a clay pot. So I'll just go ahead and pull up this first one. Paul draws this contrast, the container versus the contents. And sometimes whenever we think about placing treasure in something, uh, my wife and I occasionally go down to Key West, and you've heard of the Pirates of the Caribbean, right? And so sometimes you think about treasure in a pirate's chest. You may think about something valuable, treasure that is placed in a locked vault. Matthew, the 13th chapter, about verse 44, talks about treasure that is buried in a field. But oftentimes you will not think about placing treasure in a paper bag, will you? Now, Paul doesn't say paper bags in 2 Corinthians, the 4th chapter. But he says in clay pots or in clay jars. And the reason why I use that sort of paper bag metaphor type thing is because clay jars, clay pots, was the most kind of inexpensive common vessel that you could have in that day. And so as I thought about that, I thought, you know, when I was a kid, you used to put your lunch in a paper bag, right? (laughs) And so when Paul talks about this, he says, it's treasure in clay pots. Something very common, yet something very fragile. Now I want to share this little illustration. There's going to be various illustrations, but this this is a little illustration I came across as I was preparing for this lesson this week. And and this, this one fellow said, in regards to this, clay pot sort of metaphor. He said, I think that we ought to be categorized, all people, in one of two categories as far as clay pots are concerned. He referred to this as sort of psycho-ceramics. He said there ought to be a type of psychology that puts everybody in one of two categories categories and he referred to it as psychoceramics. He said, first of all, we're all clay pots. He said, but you know, some people take and they put on makeup and they fix their hair and they put on special clothes and all these kind of things. He said, but underneath, he said, they're all cracked. And then he said, there's the other category that tries to act like they're kind of tough. Or macho. And he said, these are like those heavier duty kind of clay pots. He said, but what the issue is with these is 
they went to through the oven too fast. So the outside got kind of baked, but inside there's a soft part. And he said, so they're half baked. So we're either crack pots or we're half baked. He said, so we ought to just all be in those categories. And I thought, well, you know what? There's kind of a lot of truth to that. Because we as human beings, when you look a little closer, we've all got our issues, don't we? There's these cracks that show up. But here's the next sort of caveat that goes with this 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is one of the clearest passages in all of Scripture stating the process by which the power of God is released among men. We are surrounded by evidence in society of increasing corruption and disintegration of character and increasing pain and darkness, sort of despair at times. But all the while, as you kind of take a look at society and you take a look at individuals and and all that's going on, you think about Jesus looking at his disciples and in the midst of because John 17 he prayed that we should not be taken out of the world in the midst of all of this he's whispering to us those who are Christians you're the salt of the earth you're the light of the world he's taken that treasure And he's placed it in these containers. These clay pots. That are weak. That are fragile. But we hold something. Of great value. And we got to keep that in mind. So as you take a look at 2 Corinthians 4 chapter. I'll read verse 7 once again. Paul says. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. ESV says clay pots. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So there's really two factors, two points to draw from that verse immediately. And the very first one is very simply this. We are vessels. We are containers. That's the first point. And then the second point is we are earthen vessels. So sometimes, even though as I use that other fellow's illustration for psychoceramics, sometimes we may try to put on airs that we're something that we're not, but the bottom line is this is what we are. And we are cracked and we have issues and we're weak and we're frail. But, but we are containers. Keep that in mind. We are containers. And then what type of container? We are earthen containers. Clay pots, as some translations render it. Now I think we would all agree, vessels are made to hold something. That's their sole purpose. It doesn't matter whether it's a vase, whether it's a bucket, whether it's a box or a basket or a bag, 
They are designed to hold something. That's their purpose. Hold something. But human beings, what about them? This is where the distinction comes in. Yes, we are containers. But we were not made to hold something. We were made to hold someone. That someone is God. That's the glory of humanity. The fact that we were designed to correspond to His deity. We are the container. He is the contents. One of the very first times that we ever really come face to face with this concept and helps us to kind of grasp and to understand what's talked about here. In our Wednesday night class, I put in a plug again. We have talked about the temple, have we not? And we even had a little video slide type thing about the temple and how magnificent it was. It was amazing what Solomon built. What David desired to build for God, but God would not allow him. But his son was the one who was going to build it and it was going to be a magnificent structure. But in 2 Chronicles, the 6th chapter, which we're in 2 Chronicles now, a little bit beyond this. But Solomon says this. 2 Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 6. Solomon asked, Who is able to build him a temple? Who's able to build him a temple? Since the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. As magnificent as that structure was, Solomon says, it can't hold him. It can't contain him. David desired to build him a house. I would let him. Your son can build it. But even Solomon recognized the inadequacy of his own efforts. Who can build him a temple? Who can build him a house that will hold him? You know what I think God would like to have whispered to David and to Solomon? I already built myself a house. I made it from dust. God's presence, that cloud filled that temple. And they recognized that He was with them. But they should have also recognized this house can't hold Him. 
people hold him. God wants to be held by them. So let me ask you this question. What kind of a container would you place deity in? What kind of a container would you put the glory of the Lord in? What kind of a container holds love? Grace. Mercy. Wisdom. Power. What container relates to that kind of contents? Where can it be housed? And at the same time, be manifest through the container. It's humanity. That is a reality that only God could conceive of. David wanted to build him a house. I think God must have thought, are you serious? Solomon recognized the heaven of heavens can't contain him. What kind of house will hold him? And all the while, God said, I already built it. I made it from dust. It's a beautiful description. And it reveals the deliberate plan of God. We are clay pots. Imperfect containers that hold this treasure. You know, the vessels in your home are made to hold something. And if they don't have that substance or that particular item in it, they're empty. It's the same. So in Genesis 2 and verse 7, it says that God formed man from the dust of the earth and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living being. Mankind is not only a vessel, but they're an earthen vessel made of dust and bits of clay. Common material, which in and of itself is of not much value. I read an illustration once. I was looking for it. I didn't come up with it, but this fellow had said, if you take all the chemicals that we're made up of, and you kind of bring it down, we're worth about $3.30. (laughs) So the vessel all by itself is not worth a whole lot. But there's something there. Not the real value in the vessel itself, but the fact that what we hold 
And there are some who argue with that and the humanists try to make man the focus of all reality. But the Bible rejects that. So God's Word takes sort of a humble, realistic approach and says that we are just bits of clay without Him, but with Him. That's where the value is found. We were made to be vessels, made to hold something. And if we don't have that someone in us or in our lives, then it's true. We don't have much value. It's empty. And life without God is empty. Tell me, without God, without God, what's the purpose of life? We just become animals. It's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. We were made to be vessels. To hold someone. That's the realistic view of human life. Pots, pans were made, vessels, vases were made to hold something. Galatians 3. Paul says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. In that context there, Paul is talking about Helping one another spiritually. And what he is saying is, in essence, to use this language from 2 Corinthians, as you try to help someone else, just keep in mind we're all clay pots. We're all crack pots and half-baked. So don't think of yourself, but recognize how we can help one another. That's where we find reality. That's where we find our worth. But notice in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. Notice how this is sort of completed. How the picture is made complete. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure. There's the earthen vessels. We're just a container. We're an earthen container. But now we have this treasure. And he says that it might... Let me read again. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. What he's trying to say is that there's a power... That comes with this treasure. And if you recognize that it's a container. That we're just a container. An earthen container. Then you recognize whatever power that there is. That is revealed in this container. The treasure revealed in this container. You've got to recognize. It's got to be coming for someplace else. (laughs) Because that's just an earthen vessel. So sometimes you might describe this. As sort of a transcendent power. And that's the glory of the Christian. That's the way God intended. That there would be something revealed in us. 
but it becomes obvious it doesn't come from us. The vessel in and of itself is not much. But when it holds that treasure, it's valuable. Matthew 14. This treasure is so valuable that a man found it in a field. And that when he did, he went and sold all that he had so that he might purchase that field. So it's a treasure. It's also described as a power. It's sort of a transcendent sort of power. Transcendent is not a word that we use a whole lot, right? So do you know what transcendent means? It means above, beyond. It's outside of. It's other. It's different. But this power, as you think about this, you think about this treasure, you think about this power. This power is against poverty. Think with me. This power is against poverty. It's against pestilence. It's against disease. It's against persecution. It's even against death. Because this power, this treasure in you protects you from all of those things. It's transcendent. So it's a power separate from, but it protects. So the contents protects the container. Can you see that? The contents protects the container. Now I'm going to give you this illustration. Now as I thought about this, and I came across this illustration this week, I thought to myself, oftentimes as I teach, preach here, and I'm thankful for this. Do you know there's people who fact check me? You know that? <laughs> Sometimes I'll say something and they go, does the Bible say that? <laughs> and they'll look at and then look, yeah. And so if I say something historical, I know we have a history teacher here. And I'll get fact checked. I know if I talk about gardening or something like that, we have sort of a resident horticultural specialist. (laughs) And I'll get fact-checked. And now, we have a science teacher. And I know I'm going to get fact-checked on this, but I'm going with it just the same. Do you know that you can boil water in a paper cup. Some people go, well, sure, put it in the microwave. <laughs> no, 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 no. Do you know you can boil water in a paper cup? 
using a torch and the water will boil and the paper will not be consumed. The cuff will not be consumed. Now I can tell right now, you all looking at me? <laughs> and when I first came across that, I was skeptical too. So if you're skeptical about something, you know how you can fact check it, don't you? YouTube. <laughs> and there it was. Do you know why that is? The water keeps the paper from spontaneous combustion. You can boil water in a paper cup because the contents protects the container. That's what Paul's talking about. The vessel itself, you're like that paper bag. But when you hold this treasure, it protects you against all kinds of things. Because it changes your perspective about the here and the now and the things that you're going through. This is not the usual kind of ordinary power. Because the usual ordinary kind of power that men come up with, it blows things up. Think about the atomic bomb. Is there any greater power ever released by man? And what did it do? We blow things apart. We destroy things. We break things. That's the kind of power we oftentimes exert. But this power, it unites. It harmonizes. It gathers. It breaks down barriers and middle walls of partition. And it protects the containers which hold it. It blesses the container. That kind of power, that kind of treasure can change a life. It can change the society from within, not from without. It does not make superficial external adjustments changing the outward face of things, but it's a genuine transformation which arises from within, which completely and permanently changes the container. And as individuals change, societies change. That's why Jesus said, go preach the gospel. Make disciples, one at a time, of all nations. Change the world, one at a time. Because it changes them from within. So now here's the reason. I brought up that point about having a horticultural specialist among us. I did not know this either. There's lots of things I do not know. 
Do you know tomatoes and pears ripen from the inside out? From the inside out. So let me give you an illustration to go along with that. There's another old saying that if you give a man a fish, he will eat today. But you teach him how to fish, he'll eat every day. You just changed him. From dependent to independent. You know what men do? They try to change things from the outside. So you know what's real popular in our society? Let's throw money at it. One of the biggest challenges our society faces is fatherless homes. Fatherless homes. So what do you think you ought to throw at it? Maybe you ought to throw a father at it. But what do we want to do? We want to throw money at it. Did you change that home? No, it's just like I mentioned to begin with. Sometimes you take clay pots and you dress them up. But underneath, they're still cracked and half-baked. Drug addiction. What do we want to do about it? Let's throw money at it. Homelessness. Huge issue in our country. Why are those people living on the street? Well, because they don't have a home. How are you going to fix it? Let's throw money at it. Why don't we find out why they're living on the street and try to help that person? Give a man a fish, he'll eat today. Teach a man how to fish, he'll eat every day. Abortion. What do you think we ought to do about it? Throw money at it? Will that fix it? Let me say this. You can fact check this one. The majority of abortions that take place in this country are repeat. Repeat. So men try to fix it without changing the person, without changing people. You can't read a Bible in school, but we'll give people Bibles when they're in prison. Is there something wrong with that picture? Do you know any other power like this that Paul's talking about? It's unrivaled. 
There is no other treasure like this. There is no other power like this. And Jesus whispers, you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. Colossians chapter 1 and about verse 26 and 27. Paul says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Can we see that? Christ in you. That's what changes people. That's the secret. That's the mystery. Christ living in individuals. That's real Christianity. That's not just take you home to heaven when you die, Christianity. That's here now, apply it now, Christianity. Jesus living in manifest in individuals now. Jesus living in your body, in your situation, in your circumstances. That's the treasure, that's the power. And God put that treasure in frail, faulty, weak, sinful men and women in order that it might be evident that that power does not originate with us, but from Him. It does originate, or it doesn't exist because of strong personalities, extroverted natures, highly trained minds, not a result of that. It's Christ in you. The hope of glory. Mystery hidden from ages past. It comes with God living in your heart. Isn't that amazing? David said, I want to build you a house. He was living in a palace. Solomon asked Hiram, king of Tyre, what kind of a house shall I build? The heaven of heavens cannot contain him. And God is saying, I already built a house. I made it out of dust. But it's up to us to determine whether or not he lives in us. And if he does, the con the contents protects the container. And the glory is given to him. In Second Corinthians the fourth chapter. And about verses eight through ten, Paul is going to talk about real life Christianity. He's going to talk about life in a clay pot. Now, if you could see my outline here. 
I got a whole lot left to go. And so I told myself yesterday that when I got to this point, I was going to look. There ain't no way. If you want a copy of this entire lesson, I'll give it to you. I've given out outlines. But what I want to just say is, is this, and, and I'm going to leave it where it is. We're just containers. And we need to understand that. And we are earthen vessels. In and of ourselves, not worth a whole lot. But we were made, designed, to hold not something, but to hold someone. And God wants us to hold Him. Can you imagine that? The God of the universe wants to be held by you. So in verses 8 through 10, 8 through 12, Paul's going to talk about life in a clay pot. He's going to talk about the perplexities. He's going to talk about being beaten down. He's going to talk about all those challenges. In verse 12, he will say, So then death is working in us, but life in you. What Paul's saying is, we have this treasure. You've seen what all we've gone through. It's working death in us, but it's life. Because you're seeing it. So it's working life in you. Verse 13, and since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. He tells him. Verse 14, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present you with us. That's the hope that we have. Verse 15, for all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, God's grace, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. God, through His Word, teaches us about the treasure that we hold. And then through circumstances, I want you to listen to this, because that's what Paul's going to talk about, the things he's gone through. Here's this treasure. You have it. You hold it. The contents will protect the container. And so he teaches us all this. But then through life, he forces us to experience it. Or you can choose to deny it and suffer through it on your own. But if you acknowledge it, then you'll experience it. You experience this treasure by doing. So the light hidden within, the treasure within, shines out for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. It's the death of Jesus producing life of Jesus in us. A concept only God could conceive of. I'm going to leave it there.
extend the invitation. If you desire a complete copy of the lesson, I'll be more than glad to share it with you. But we're going to extend the invitation of the Son to any and all that are here. And if we can help you in any way, make your relationship right with the Lord in initial obedience, or coming back to Him and making your life right, let us know while together we stand and while we sing.